Revolting is produced by The Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at The Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 82, The Lightning Strikes Twice Round. Content warning, if this is your first time here, you ought to know we're going to say things that mostly don't get said in polite company. This will be an impolite podcast. So take a hike or stick around. Either way, you're the boss of you. <laughs> Uh, good morning. This is, uh, as Robot just mentioned, this is the 82nd episode of the podcast called Revolting. And uh, aren't we glad to be here? Hmm? I'm so glad to be here. There was a um, there was a urgent email from the school superintendent in my town this morning because there uh, the, there was a bear sighting in my neighborhood. How oh, cool. Actually, just down the street from my house, there was somebody who saw a bear. Several people saw the bear. I wanted to see the bear, but I didn't see the bear. I like the idea that it was just a, a fat, hairy, gay guy. And so it, like, it was a <laughs> weird game, chain of telephone game, and somebody saw it and said, mentioned in passing um, and said, oh, there's a bear in the neighborhood. And then the next person immediately thought, oh, there's not like... A fat, gay, hairy guy, but an actual animal rooting through the trash. <laughs> and so it went. I do like that they would delay school opening by one hour because a bear had wandered away from the pride parade a few days ago, <laughs> washed up in the suburbs, and people were like, oh my God. A bear. I heard there was a bear in the neighborhood. Well, better call the school superintendent. Yeah. Uh, the- uh, so is everybody, is everybody okay? Like nobody got yeah. I, pot or their picnic basket stolen or whatever. I, I can't say what, how many picnic baskets, uh, might have, uh, been stolen. Um, but I imagine there's some bird feeders and some compost bins that are, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wrote a thing about it for, uh, cycling independent this morning which will be last week by the time people hear this. But, um, yeah, I worry for the bear. Yeah. If, if he gets, um, if he gets relocated, see, I didn't realize that you were in a place that was uh, easily accessible enough to the cuts that large wild animals might wind up in your neighborhood. I always sort of imagine like, you know, Boston and Boston proper as being fairly, urban yeah there's no bears here um except this morning i guess we had a bear three or four years ago and i remember once there was a moose oh um yeah but quite how they get here i have no idea because i mean we do have woods nearby but they're not contiguous with the sorts of woods you would think a bear or a moose moved in 
Well, I did see. I, I don't know. I did I watched the series The Last of Us, and I think it, it was in the first um, the first episode, and it said ten miles west of Boston, and it sure looked a lot like the Canadian Rockies to me. But <laughs> uh, apparently, you have um, a, a quite a lot of open space, not very far from you. According to it's Hollywood, true. I mean, we do, we have we have some woods. We do. But again, whether it would support a population of bears um, or even one, mostly the south end, the south end neighborhood of our city is where most of the bears live, I think. Which kind of bear? The people, yeah, the big gay kind, which which (laughs) kind did you think we were talking about this whole time? (laughs) Uh, Okay, so large gay men who who root around in people's compost bins. (laughs) Bringing it back to uh, the revolting podcast, I uh, was going about my business and finishing up tomorrow. That will be Tuesday, June 13th episode of, uh, uh, or, uh, uh, Tuesday, June, June 13th, not episode, but edition of the all hell, the black market website post and saw that, the 81st episode of revolting is what I was linking. And I said to myself, holy cats, we need to get on the good foot. There was a time not very long ago where we had so many episodes of the revolting podcast in the queue, ready to go that we kind of, I think we maybe got a little bit lazy or um, complacent. And it was easy because we just had like, there was plenty of fodder that we had created that was available. And now we are working in one week increments. So I had to sort of panic a little bit. In fact, we wrote <laughs> this episode such as it is this morning. <laughs> That's the other fucked up thing is that, uh, I had right at the conclusion of recording the 81st episode robot said, what would you think about doing another lightning round? And I said, that's a great idea. I love that. And then immediately closed my computer and didn't think about it again until this morning when robot said, are we going to do a lightning round or do I need to write an episode notes real quick? And so I sat down in my single guy chair and I wrote nine of uh, possibly the most uninspired questions I've ever come up with. I was hoping. Oh, no. Yeah, uh, maybe. Oh, no. I was hoping that I, w- I was going to actually reach out and ask you, this. you know, like I've said plenty of times, I'm not good at telling stories. Even when I'm good at telling stories, I'm not very good at telling stories. But if given a slight prompt, like, hey, let's talk. What do you know about Matchbox cars? And then I'll be on. I'm good to go. I just need a little push. Uh, but I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to taint your thought process. And so what I have written down is about um, as spontaneous as as can be. I don't know where. I don't even know what these questions are, actually. Oh, fucking I lost. I want to say. I forgot the would you rather now that I look around and realize it's in the other room. What were you going to say? I want to say two things about um, this morning's shenanigans. First, you texted me, hey, are we doing this thing at 
5.45 a.m. Pacific yeah, it was, time. it was early. I get mad at you for texting me at 3 o'clock in the morning, but then I turn around and text you at 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you do, you do things to me. It's fine. Uh, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. The other thing is when I said, oh, yeah, are we doing the lightning round? I've never known you to text me in all caps, but you texted all caps. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I totally spaced it. I guess just, you know, I just don't retain. I don't retain information. I don't either. I, my day is already screwed. You were like, oh, let's record. I was like, okay, we'll record. So I scrambled to do that. And then Brittany was like, what are you, what do you have going today? And I was like, oh, I have a one o'clock meeting. Oh, wait. Oh, I think I have a four o'clock meet. I like my whole day is full. I woke up this morning, just like bluebirds and squirrels playing between my ears, mm-hmm. like nothing going on. I was like, ah, Monday, sweet Monday, nothing, nothing very urgent going on. Then I was like, oh, oh, I have a bunch of appointments yeah, I forgot. Suddenly there's stuff to do. Uh, yeah. Thankfully, I don't have anything going on after this. So my, my head is, my head's clear. Um, so let's uh, let's make some magic. Music pick of the week. Are we? Oh, should we do music fuck. picks uh, here and now? You didn't did get that ready either, did you? I did mostly. Yeah, talk about yours, and I'll try to remember what mine is. <laughs> the revolting podcast, the most half-assed podcast <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> it's so bad. Um, um, uh, my pick this week. Is my you know I get I'm giving you gr- uh, shit right now, but uh, my my pick is a little bit half-assed in that I am picking uh, the newish Nod record. That's G N O D Nod. They have a live record live at the Roadburn Festival 2022, and if you don't know. Nod, they are a, they're from Manchester, United Kingdom. They are, I think what's called a psychedelic noise rock collective. Um, they put out a record a few years ago called Hexen Valley, which I love. I love that record. And so this one is kind of cheating because this live recording is them doing a lot of the songs from the Hexen Valley album. Uh, but I love them so much and I, it's just what I've been listening to this week. It's not, um, it's just, I, I've had it on repeat. It's one of those things where, you know, you go, Oh, I want to listen to some music. And then you just keep picking up the same record over and over again. Hmm. I know nothing of nod. I don't think. Is I, yeah. I guess I, I suppose that's possible. Maybe I don't know as much about music as I thought that I did. Uh, they make good musical videos. Um, one from that record, uh, they're in costumes. They're sort of running around in costumes. One of them is dressed as cookie monster. Um, and it's just like really heavy, hard groove. I don't know. Hmm. Put a little on your plate. See if you like it. I'll make a note of it. Well, I guess I do make a note of it because every week I put (laughs) the music picks on a compiled list uh, on all hail the black market. So you can, I don't think I've done, uh, the current weeks pick yet, but I've been pretty good about keeping on top of it. Uh, ro- for those of 
you all who don't know, Robot and I had long talked about making a playlist, maybe on Spotify or somewhere. And then he began digging through and uh, compiling the picks and the links that can be found on the Cycling Independent uh, on one specific page on All Hail the Black Market. And then I spent some time doing that as well and have been working hard to keep up on it. So if you want to go back, I have most of them. Uh, since we've started being a little bit more organized about including music picks in each episode. I'm sorry. I am so fucking tired. I don't remember. I'm I'm barely like uh, running on fumes right now. I closed the bar night before last. I work at a bar one night a week. One night a week. I have one thing to do and I got home at 4.30 in the morning and it's going to take me another two days to recover. It's like jet lag every time you go to go to that job. Uh, a little bit, yeah. And I'm I'm anxious all Saturday, and um, like I don't want to like I I force myself to take a nap at some point. I wake up early on Saturday morning and I think, oh, I better get some sleep somewhere at some point today because there's no way I'm going to be able to bang out another shift tonight. And the shifts are easy enough, and then I go to bed at four thirty in the morning, and then I'm fucked. For at least 72 hours. So right now, just, uh, you know, bear with me. Uh, okay, music pick. My music pick. I was, uh, I have recently been in contact with a very, very funny comic uh, named Kyle Kinane, um, a friend of mine in Seattle. I'm not a big stand-up guy. Uh, like, I watch, I like, I watch a little bit of stand-up comedy. Um and this guy in Seattle said, hey, have you ever heard of this cat, Kyle Kinane? Which I had not because I don't really pay attention to things. And he said he used to uh, see him perform at a comedy club in Chicago years ago. And he said consistently everything that came out of this guy's mouth. He's, my friend said I, he's just like constantly choking on my water like He's the he's the funniest fucker you're you're gonna find, and so I watched some of his stand up, and it, he's right. He is extremely an extremely funny person, uh, but um, he does this bit. His new thing is called Shocks and Struts. I think he did this bit where uh, he was talking about how fucked up his pillows were, and so it inspired me to go buy new pillows. And I think I sent him a little care package of some stickers and stuff because I heard that he rode bikes. And he messaged me at somewhere somewhere along the way. And he said, yeah, um, I'm pretty shitty at bikes. I probably drink too much and I'm really into RC trucks. I think we're probably the same dude. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I got new pillows and I washed them and I put one of them in the dryer and it, bur it burned my pillow. And I saw it, it looks like I have this giant skid mark across my brand new pillow. <laughs> and <laughs> he, he, he messaged me yesterday and he's like, yeah, I have a joke about having shit on my pillow. See, <laughs> same dude. <laughs> um, so. Uh, anyway, I digress. There's a clip of him riding, talking about riding bikes and riding bikes and how fun riding bikes is and how it's good for your brain and your heart and soul. And in this clip, he's wearing a pegboy shirt. 
Um, oh yeah. The, and the album is called Strong Reaction. It came out in 1991 on not on Touch and Go, but what's the subsidiary of Touch and Go? Is it a, is it a subsidiary or a sort of side label? Fuck, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's a I real don't good. Dr- pe- uh, fuck, it's going to come to me within the next 45 minutes, and I'm just going to blurt it out. Uh, it's a very good record. It's it's kind of driving uh, punk rock, uh, but not you know one two monkey drumming kind of punk rock. It's a little more melodic than that, and uh, it's quite good. So that was a long story about how Kyle's peg boy shirt inspired me to pull out that record and listen to it. And that's what I've been listening to. You know, what's crazy. It's not crazy because you and I are also the same person. But as I was scrambling to get the notes together this morning, I was trying to come up with a music pick and I was like, Oh shit. So I started flipping through my record collection and I, if I hadn't picked the record I picked, I was going to pick a peg boy record. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's uh cosmic it's 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 just weird you know it just blows as we get blown in the same direction wasn't uh john whatever his name is the guitar player from naked ray gun in peg boy peg boy is related oh. to naked ray gun uh i would say that uh, was probably pretty accurate i don't know but the family trees there in Chicago and Chicago adjacent bands is doesn't have a ton of branches. It doesn't seem like I saw peg boy in, I don't know, 94. I saw them on that tour. Um, quarter charismatic front man, quarter quarter stick records. Oh yeah. Quarter (sighs) stick records. Yes. (sighs) Okay. Continue. Sorry. And now you're done with your tasks for the day. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I saw them. I saw the I saw them on that tour. Uh very good. I would call that I would call Pegboy. I wouldn't call it pop punk, but I would call it Chicago's version of pop punk. If that's Yeah, which is not poppy if you can compare like okay, pop punk, we're going to look at like Southern California and the Bay Area and that pop punk, it's yeah. not it's not that. It's at not all. that. It's not that, but it's very melodic. Uh and, you can definitely sing along to it. And not unlike Naked Raygun. If you like Naked Raygun, then you're going to love Pegboy. And it is John Haggerty. Uh, John ah. and Joe H- Haggerty. And I didn't realize now that I'm looking at the Wikipedia, uh, Joe Haggerty was f- formerly in the Effigies, which is not at all like Pegboy or Pop Punk or anything. Effigies are fucking gnarly. They have a great record that they uh, glued a piece of sandpaper on the front of so that when you slide it in and out of your collection, you fuck up whatever record (laughs) is right in front of it. (laughs) And I bought it just for that, just for that reason alone. I loved, I loved it. What are you looking at? I don't know. You see ghosts right now? I don't know if people can hear, but there is a steady stream of helicopters going over my house. I don't oh, know if it's boy. bear related. <laughs> They're like, there's a large hairy gay man in the suburbs. <laughs> Get in there. Send out the black helicopters. I can't hear anything on my end. Uh, so what we got? Oh, Nod, crazy we got Peg here. Boy. And right now we're going to 
put a pin in this, take a break, get a word from the sponsor, and I'm going to run in the other room and grab my uh, other book with the Would You Rather that I'm so very proud of. Right back. Revolting is sponsored by the homies at Shimano North America. They're hoping that you bunch of knuckleheads will check out their sweet new road wheels. Have you seen them? At 105 Ultegra and Durace levels, they have carbon disc wheels you can afford that are as well made as everything they make. One thing I really like about them is they're not rolling billboards. They're, they're low key. You know, they're aero, they're tubeless ready. They're all those good things too. Do us and yourself a favor. Give them a look at road.shimano.com. This is revolting. This is still revolting. Okay, uh, here we go again. Another ride on the Tilt-A-Whirl. Another slam fandango on the ADD magic carpet. Ten questions each, ten rambling, nonsensical answers. This will either scratch an itch you don't know you had or leave you feeling itchy. Take the red pill, take the blue pill. They're all just sugar pills anyway. So, since this was your idea and I have half-assed it, epically uh, yes why don't you get started i'll go first all right you can go see 1984 metallica or 1969 black sabbath which one and why oh 1969 black sabbath that was the correct answer i'm glad you yeah got that. uh i mean i've i was i've seen metallica um in big places, and I saw Metallica in a club. It was maybe a hundred people, and it was um, it was sort of a secret surprise show, you know, where they like told a few people, and then the, it was the club maxed out. And I knew a person who knew Kirk Hammett, and somehow like I was able to be one of those hundred people. Unfortunately, it was Bob Rock playing bass, and uh, to my mind, Bob Rock is the worst thing to ever happen to Metallica. Um, but it was great. They played a bunch of like all their old songs and it was really exciting to see Black Sabbath in 1969 in a little club in some industrial town in the United Kingdom. I think that would be, uh, especially with the perspective that we have now where we know, we know all that has happened and all that has changed because of them. Uh, that would be, life affirming in ways that I can't even begin to imagine. I agree. I agree. There are a bunch of uh, uh, videos on the YouTube of Sabbath playing in America in like 1970 and they're doing what they're doing and they, they pan to the crowd and the crowd is just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. (laughs) They look so confused. Uh, you know, they're one of, they're one of the legs on the table of rock and roll. There's, there's so much has happened because of, because of them. And I bring, I always talk about the Beatles. Like I'm not a huge Beatles fan, but we don't have the perspective that people around that time had, like the things that the, the amalgamation of musical styles that, that Black Sabbath and also the Beatles before them uh assembled had never been heard before and you listen to beatles now and you're like eh, whatever i don't care i don't like them but 
if you can just imagine, if you can transport yourself to that place and say, I'm hearing a type of music or types of music combined. And yes, it's obvious. I know the Beatles and Black Sabbath both borrowed heavily from black musicians and blues musicians. And nothing would exist without black musicians before them. But as a, you know, like across the world, nobody had ever heard anything like Black Sabbath before. Uh, and that would be incredibly confusing, I'm sure, and and exciting. So, well, it yeah, reminds would... me of. Mm? It reminds me of having seen bands in the 80s and 90s and been genuinely confused by them. Only years later to to like have my ears sort out what I was what I had heard then and think, oh, this was great. I wonder why I couldn't hear it five years ago. Mm. Mm. Because you didn't have perspective, maybe. I yeah, I just didn't. I didn't. And so it's really interesting to think about these bands that come sort of contextless, like Bad Brains is another example. Like you would have seen an early Bad Brains show and been like, good God, what <laughs> what made that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I to something to that degree, I can't even imagine. I would yeah. see we've talked about sincerity in music and and there are there are artists who maybe don't uh, fit in my normal parameters of what I listen to. But there is such it, there's so sincerity. There's such sincerity in what they make that just that alone is what uh, att initially attracts me to it. And then I dig a little deeper and I realize that I actually really do like this music. Um, yeah. And with a band like Bad Brains, like that, it was just so, or Sabbath, or Beatles. I, it was so, it came from such a sincere place in their creative souls that uh, how could you not appreciate it? I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, similarly, this is how inspired my questions are. Coming right out of the gate, super hot. Number one, <laughs> Mandel's. Flip-flops or bare feet, if given an option. Ma Mandel's flip-flops or bare feet. Um, <laughs> you know, one thing occurs to me, no one looks tough in sandals. That's true. Uh, I will go, I think I would go either flip-flops or bare feet on that. Yeah, it's so I'm kind of thinking like given the environment that one might be in, you want your shoes stuck to your feet. If you're going to be if it's going to be all or none, like you are going to go about your daily business and you have to wear mandals or you have to wear. Well, we'll, we'll call them sandals, you know, like te te Tevas, Tevas, Tevas. Or are you going to go about your daily business in flip flops and you got to climb stairs and be on escalators and lift boxes and do all the things that one does in a day or you wear no shoes at all. I'm not just thinking I was initially thinking of camping. Um, uh, I like I call flip flops vacation shoes because I don't wear them except for when I'm 
mucking about and, and relax, super relaxing. Uh, but to change the parameters a little bit and say, this is something that you are going to, this is just going to be your daily shoe. What do you do? If it's going to be my daily shoe forever, I'm just going to go barefoot. I think I would too. But man. Yeah. You're dealing with a lot of like broken glass and sharp rocks and. Yeah, you're going to be hurting a little bit, but your feet are going to toughen up. You know, it's your daily life. I just think uh, I, I have no idea. There's this whole uh, I'm not sure that um, sandals are good for your feet or or certainly flip flops. I've had a lot of um, foot and ankle injuries and. I don't find that any of those things helps me a ton. Um, there was that whole big push for barefoot running. The great book called Born to Run. I think we've talked about that before. Yeah, I don't buy it personally. Um, that your foot I would like to buy it. That your foot's not a perfectly designed mechanism that's supposed to be sprung and would carry you without all the extraneous bells and whistles and trap tra trappings of, of a modern day running shoe. Well, well, I think one of two things is true. Either either that is very correct but only for people beneath a certain age like when your body starts to fall apart your body starts to fall apart that's just you know it doesn't matter what you put on your feet or take off your feet at that point like i'm 51 i'm just shitty now it doesn't matter um I, I don't think I can convert to barefoot. I've tried. Well, there's the, the whole thing. Like, you know, I run, right? So I do, mm -hmm. uh, I do pay attention to running shoes a little bit. And there's this whole thing about how much drop does the shoe have? Um, and I find I've just had these bad Achilles uh, injuries and they don't like barefootness. They don't, mm. there's a lot of things they don't like. So I don't, I don't really know the answer to the question. I'm sure that, um, you know, barefoot is good. I'm just sure that that's true. That feels intuitive and right. But there's, as is usual with our podcast there, I have zero science for that. <laughs> I, I'd probably go with, if I, given an option, I'd probably go with flip flops and just, you know, just, uh, sort of like bear through the others, the shoes constantly falling off or my feet getting sweaty or cause I just, I just can't do sandals. Remember the Shimano SPD sandals? I think they still make those. But man, when I saw those, I just what? Come on! <laughs> Come on. I, I don't like cross crossing the stream between my leisure my leisureful footwear and cycling. I just I, I refuse. Uh, okay, cycling so content, everybody. You're barefoot, uh, and I'm wearing flip flops. Okay, all right. That was actually not such a terrible question after all. Maybe. Okay. No, I think we did some real hard-hitting stuff there. All right, question. My second question. When you lost your virginity, was it nice? Were you ready? Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was my girlfriend at the time. Uh, I was kind of a late bloomer. I was 18, I think, freshman in college. I wanted to have sex before that, but... Um, Nobody was would do it with me, and so <laughs> you need you need a willing partner. And then the one the one girlfriend I had in high school, like 
I think we probably would have we probably would have ended up doing it, but um, but then she she broke up with me, and I was very sad about that for a long time. And uh, then I was just like everybody's friend, you know, like I was like the friend friend guy guy friend, and and then I didn't really meet anybody that I liked that much. And then I when I got to California, um, uh, I met this woman, and she was a really brilliant musician, and she was really pretty and. She said at one point, like we were fooling around, she's like, you know, I'm going to leave that. Up. I'm going to leave that to you that you can you can do with that what you want. But I don't want to have a, a say in it. And I thought that was respectful and sweet. And then like a night later, she got drunk and came into my room and we did it. And it was um, it was a little off putting. I was, you know, like assessing sort of like okay so that's what that's what that's like that's maybe not exactly what i imagined um but uh it was nice and we're still friends and you know it's cool so what was the question i just started thinking uh, about having sex with her was it nice and were you ready oh yeah yeah for sure it wasn't i think you people put a lot of pressure i've talked to lots of uh women friends especially um or there's this pressure put on it and it has to be this, this magical thing. And, you know, oftentimes it's really clumsy and it's really awkward and it might be, you know, not exactly what you always imagined. And I didn't really know what I imagined. Um, I just kind of, yeah, yeah. I think I was ready. What about you? Um, I, I think I was ready. It was in high school. Um, it was with, a girlfriend who I cared about quite a bit. Um, I think, I think we were ready. We didn't really talk about it beforehand. It just kind of happened. And then, uh, we, that predicated like a long involved conversation about, you know, is that what we want to do? Uh, are we going to do it some more? How are we going to handle that? So, I mean, I feel, I feel good that we probably should have had that conversation before, but I don't think either of us had the guts to have the conversation before. Um, you're kind of a mood killer too, where you, you know, you're like the spontaneity of it is kind of what makes it great sometimes. And if you sit down and you have this like pre-sex summit, like, what does this mean? And what do we, you know, are we going to get married or whatever the, you know, whatever all of the, the, all of the nitty gritty details are, it kind of takes some of the momentum out of it. I, I would guess. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. I think in like in a perfect world, you want to have the conversation beforehand. Uh, but you know, there was just a lot of like hormonal momentum behind it. And then when it happened, when it happened, we cared enough for each other to be like, okay, okay, let's, let's talk about what we really want here. And so that was a really nice conversation. And we, you know, took the proper precautions and all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, I would say it was nice. And I'm, I, I, I wouldn't say we're friends. I we are friendly. I know where she is. We don't talk very much, but when we do, it's super nice. I think we both still like each other. So that's cool. I like that. I would prefer, you know, it would be I would be disappointed if if mine was 
you know, one night stand or I don't know, it's some chick I hooked up with in a bathroom at a bar or whatever. Uh, and to, to, yeah. to have, you know, to still have a, an amicable relationship with this person, I think is kind of cool. And I don't know, I, I would prefer, I think I would prefer that my sort of my initial like life life's loves. Well, not the one girl in high in from high school. I don't really keep in touch with her anymore. There's another, there was another one just after high school and I'm still friends with her. You know, it's, I think it just kind of says something about the, the quality of the relationships that you were pursuing at a formative age. Uh, and you still have those relationships to whatever degree. I think that's, um, I think that's pretty special. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a serial monogamist. Like I've never <laughs> pursued casual really. I just don't have it in me. I wish mm. that I did. I don't know. Well, you know, there's something like, oh, people talk about one night stands and, and all of this stuff. And I just, it doesn't, doesn't do anything for me. That's just not who I am. And I'm, that's not a value judgment. If you, if people are into that and they can manage it, I just, I've never been able to manage that psycho emotionally. I find that too confusing. It was a bit of a challenge for me, but I got over it. <laughs> uh, favorite food. And it could Whoa. be favorite like item of food or it could be favorite uh, style of food, regional cuisine or whatever you want to fit into that. Yeah, my favorite food is Korean. Korean food is my favorite food. Um... But probably if you were like, what's your favorite thing to eat? I would probably say a bowl of ramen. Mm. Man, that is good. You know, I've never had like, I think my, my whole uh, gauge of what ramen is was ruined because of ramen. You know, right. 50 cents a package ramen. And then when you have proper ramen, which you know, in other places is street food, but here it's this gourmet $25 a bowl thing. But wow. When I, to have like a proper made dish of ramen, it is just with the fucking eggs and the little bits of stuff. And the, it's so delicious. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my go-to. If you were like, what, you know, and Brittany makes fun of me. I make ramen at home. I go to the Japanese market and I buy proper ingredients and I make myself ramen quite a bit. And when we, that's the thing our, we do as a family, uh, uh, the kids, the, the four of us, we go out for ramen. The kids love ramen. And so if we're going to have like a, you know, family time, that's probably what we're doing. We're going to go get some ramen. It's just, it's everything. It's like comfortable. It's delicious. It's satisfying. It's just, I, I can't even explain how all that shit comes together to be that good, but. And it doesn't leave you feeling yeah. like you, you're stuffed and incapacitated. It's not heavy, but it's filling. It's. Yep. Uh, I've, wonton soup kind of does the same thing for me, but it's not quite. It's, there's not as much like the greens and all of the things that are in it. It's not as much nuance. Every bite is a different bunch of flavors and a bunch of different food. I'm going to go find some ramen mm. today. I think I don't even know if there's a place <laughs> in town. I haven't had it since I've been here, but I, now oh, that you no. bring that up, I feel like it's, it's sort of been kind of 
flitting through my radar. My friend Pete makes it for his family and I'll see pictures of, you know, the eggs and I, oh, geez, it, I think about it all the time. I just don't do anything about it. What's your favorite food? I probably go, I'm just going to say it's kind of cliche, uh, but uh, Mexican food. Mexican food or yep. South American food or, you know, like, like it's so, it varies so much, but it's kind of got this common, you know, maybe like the masa or something. There's sort of a commonality between all of the different regions, foods, and all of the different states in Mexico have different takes on it's, but that's probably, you know, my, com that's my go-to comfort food is, is a good, I buy that good plate of Mexican food, which I can't I buy make that. myself. I think, I think where you live, you're more likely to find good Mexican food than we have here. Like you have to really search for it. It's not that there isn't, you know, things that there are, there are many things here that purport to be Mexican food, but just aren't that great. Um, uh, it's, it's spreading. I think I just talked to a friend of a friend of mine who was traveling in Denmark and I remember seeing no Mexican food in Europe. And he said that there is an excellent Mexican food place in, uh, Copenhagen now. Uh, and there was not any good Mexican food in New York. The is maybe a little bit of good Mexican food in New York last time I was there. And that has shifted like uh people are recognizing how amazing sure. it is and california has historically had uh, an abundance of good mexican food there wasn't not it wasn't not very long ago that there was uh you couldn't find any good mexican food in seattle but that's changed so it's it's making its way around people are you know learning the gospel so I yeah, yep. probably I'm I'm pretty happy with uh, with the fare that's available in this area currently. Uh okay, your turn. Is there one record when you're record shopping that you always look for or do you always go into the store blind? And what's your approach? Do you start from the A do you just go in and like start at A and go through to Z? Uh, I do now. I just kind of walk up and down the aisles. Now I used to have a mental list and I would walk into Wax Tracks Records in Denver, Colorado or Amoeba in Berkeley. And the list was just as soon as I walked in the door, it was Mind Eraser and it's all gone, zapped. Uh, so now I just kind of walk around and look, I don't really have uh, Alternative Press Magazine used to have releases by month, like the next, you know, four months worth of releases. And they had everything from every label. So you could go through that and pick, like make notes. That's what I used to do. I didn't know what was coming out except for what I saw on that list. And, um, and I would use that quite frequently. But now I just kind of, uh, I just kind of, meander i think one record that i always look for though is the fluids first record it was called punch and judy that was released on rayon records out of denver colorado and then later picked up by glitter house uh, but that was a real great record and i have now at this point i have a rayon release of that record um which was like holy grail kind of shit um records get so snapped up anymore that that 
if there's something that I'm looking for, it usually has already gotten put on Discogs. You know, it's really hard to find those little hidden gems anymore. So just in case, you know, I look for that one pretty frequently, but it's really only out of force a habit at this point. What about you? Yep. Um, I don't have one that I always look for. Uh, there are a few, but I don't even know what they are anymore. I, I, we've talked about our short-term memory over and over again, so I won't belabor that point, but I will say that every time I go in the record store, I, I'm a fucking blank. Mm-hmm. Like ask me my middle name. I don't know it. <laughs> you know, what's your address, little boy? I don't know. Like I look at the records and I'm like, uh, uh. <laughs> lists and then I lists, lists are good like that and, but then I, I, I've done this I talked to Corey Blackwood about this a bunch of times I've gone in and I bought the every time I see the the Caius discography I'm like oh I gotta get that and then I say no I don't gotta get that I already own that and then I come home and I look and I realize that I don't own any of it but I'm so I'm so broken in this in this cycle. But then I'm like, well, I better buy Danzig one because that's a great record. And then I come home and I have five copies of it. I bought the Metallica Garage Days or uh, Garage Inc. I think I bought that like three times. Uh, so, yeah, I, that's why lists are. I go crucial. in a record store and I'm basically like a kid holding an ice cream cone and the ice cream cone is just melting down his hand and I'm crying. That's how I am in the in the record store. Oh, you came in the record store. What can we help you with today? And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know. I've just got sherbet. I've just got <laughs> sherbet melting down my arm. So many record labels are releasing stuff on vinyl now. You know, vinyl, as everybody knows, has had a huge resurgence in the last five years. I've read a statistic that said it's anywhere from 700 to 1,000% higher than it's ever been at any point in in record buying history, uh, people are going fucking nuts for records. And the, you know, the record labels realize this and now you can't get a record for $10 anymore. You go in and buy a hundred dollars worth of records and used to have a stack. And now you go in and buy a hundred dollars worth of records and you have three records. And, um, yeah. uh, uh, where, what was I, um, Oh, so there's a number of times where I know that I have digital versions of a thing because it wasn't previously available on vinyl. This is what this is what fucked me up is I didn't want to buy. I think it was Deftones Around the Fur when that was first released. I wanted to buy it, but I didn't have a CD player and I refused to buy CDs because I'm excited. You know, the rich man's eight track air quote. They fucking suck. The quality's not that good. They degrade over time. I wasn't buying the whole, like, it was all smoke and mirrors. But I wasn't going to be able to listen to the music if I didn't buy it on CD. So that was the first one. That was the first CD I ever bought. And then I was mad. So I was having to buy music twice, essentially. And then if I wanted to, you know, if I wanted to listen to something in my truck, or a car or on my bike or whatever, I had to get a CD or make a tape or buy the tape, but tapes weren't really efficient either. Uh, And then records that were all released with digital downloads so I could buy the music once and then I would have a digital download of it. But now you can't get digital downloads with the music. So now I'm buying it digitally. It's, it's fucking, I've paid for music like three times. Like that's just sort of the standard anymore. Um, 
but because I have I'll had all of this stuff digitally, now I'm trying to round out the vinyl collection and buying it again on vinyl. It's going in reverse. Uh, but at least it's expensive. It is, but I love, I mean, I love records and I still even buy seven inch records uh, from time to time. I used to buy them all the time and I have a pretty vast collection of seven inch records. Um, but I still buy those sometimes too, cause they're fun and they still cost $4 and 50 cents. Cause nobody gives a shit about those. It's just the LPs. So it's still an economical way to get a little bit of music. If you think seven inch record, you maybe have two songs, uh, $5 a piece. That's two fifty a song. And if you have an LP that has 10 songs, 10 times two fifty, ten ten 10 times that's 20 <laughs> Uh, well, fuck, maybe, maybe, a maybe a $35 LP is actually what they cost. You know, I knew CDs to produce a CD that doesn't cost that much. Those are pennies and vinyl records are well, expensive. I think what's, to make. Frustra- what's frustrating about it is that, um, you know, the cost sunk on the music, like what they paid the artist, what they paid to have it recorded. That's all sunk cost from a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to get into this. Makes I did buy a wanted to buildings. buy wanted to buy the first. It was either Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden, or it was Killers. I think it was Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden, and I bought that, and I bought some other records and whatever. I didn't, I didn't look at the total because it just like stresses me out. And then later on, somebody pointed out. They said, "Well, you did pay fifty dollars for that whatever five song EP." <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> That was $50 and I looked and sure enough, I didn't even, I didn't even flinch. I just know that records are expensive, but man, fuck Iron Maiden. You know, that record came out, (laughs) that record came out in, you know what, 1980 or 1980, 81, 79, something like that. I'm paying $50 for a five song EP. So Bruce Dickinson can fly around the country in his custom plane. Ugh. (laughs) come on okay uh was that your question uh that was my question oh man we're 50 minutes we're really burning daylight aren't we uh knight rider or dukes of hazard i mean uh i was always dukes of hazard that's problematic in retrospect (laughs) you know they're just good old Uh, boys never mean it no harm they were never mean and no harm. Uh, yeah, I would, I would, yeah. Uh, sociocultural problems aside, I was definitely Dukes of Hazard. Uh, Knight Rider left me kind of cold. I uh, remember, I remember the promos where they were pushing Knight Rider and it was like a, a, a competing time slot. And, um, <clears throat> and then Bo and Luke left and it was their cousins, like Joe yep. and, fluke or whatever and you like oh it's just <laughs> right, a, right it's just a good looking brown haired guy and a blonde haired guy and who's gonna know the difference you know and right it really did kind of jump the shark at that point and then i watched night rider but but i loved the dukes of hazard before that i remember my sister didn't want to watch it one time and i she said there's too many car chases and i my counter argument was <laughs> i promise there won't be any car chases in this one and immediately, Oops. 30 seconds in, there was a car chase. But probably, like, not even 30 seconds. It was, like, immediate, just out of the gate. Uh, but I, yeah. would go, I would go Dukes of Hazzard. Uh, I thought it was cool. Loved the car. 
you know, and that was a time where the car was like an equal co-star in, uh, right. In the show, Hardcastle, McCormick and Knight Rider and the fall guy and Magnum PI. And of course, Starsky and Hutch, Starsky and Hutch. It probably, uh, I mean, it could have started, could have started with them. They had the El Torino, uh, or, or Rockford files, you know, he had that gold firebird or the gold, uh, Transient. What was it? Firebird, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, okay. Uh, your turn. Would you rather live in a bouncy castle or a hall of mirrors? And I know I said don't do would you rather's in this, but I did one anyway, so suck it. Would you rather live in a bouncy castle or a hall of mirrors? Mm. Bouncy castle would be a lot like camping, and there's probably not a lot of back support. Uh, unless you had like a little ridge rest that you laid on the floor, but still like, I'm not a giant fan of my own visage. Is that the word? Not crazy about my own image. So seeing myself all the time would get really tiresome. Uh, but bouncy castles don't have roofs. I I think, I think they do. Yeah. A lot of them do. Don't have walls going to be breezy all the time you're essentially yep. sleeping outside and that yep. you got that fucking motor keeping the thing inflated i'm gonna say uh yep. i'm gonna say a room a room of mirrors all right so that would, i think that's probably the right answer i think humans need hard surfaces i think bouncy castle is an attractive idea but i would i feel like you would just get soft tissue injuries going to the bathroom just from the like yeah for sure no stability yeah. And then once you got on a solid ground after having, you know, spent a night and you make breakfast and you're barely able to get across back over to and not having really anywhere to sit or lean against. That would drive me yeah. even crazier. Um, OK, have you ever had a dream about defending a porn star from two stalkers who are driving a panel truck full of plumbing tools and hardware? Nope. I did this morning. <laughs> um, OK, your turn. Was it a specific porn star? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's uh it's this woman who I I don't know, she ordered some stuff from my site a number of years ago. Uh and then oh. we have kind of like developed this sort of friendship and you know, we send each other messages and so she's I mean she's huge. She's huge. She's like a bona fide star, I think. Star. It's almost 4 million Instagram followers and uh, which is like a small city. You know, like she's, she's, yeah. she's a baller and travels all over the world and, you know, has a super like pretty busy schedule, you know, but she, she, for whatever reason, like we have developed this weird friendship. Anyway, yeah, I had this dream that these dudes in a panel truck were like followed her home. And then I had to like a bunch of us like beat these dudes up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That it's the way my brain works is a mystery. Uh okay. Almost t- all of my dreams that I remember are about me being in a race and not knowing where the course is. <laughs> that's just, it's almost all of the ones that I That's that's just basic that, anxiety. That's just basic anxiety manifesting itself cuz showing up to school and not knowing what your class schedule is or losing your locker combination yeah. it's the last day of school and your finals and you hadn't been in class. 
with showing up and you're not wearing any pants or whatever. Like it's all rooted in the same place. Yeah. The only variation in my dream is that sometimes I am winning the race, but I don't know why. And people are yelling, go, go, go. You're winning. And I'm like, I don't know where to go. Uh, or I'm losing the race and it's important that I don't lose the race, but I still can't figure it out. All right. Um, my turn. Who is the more compelling front person, David Lee Roth or Debbie Harry? Mm. Also, if you were a if you were a front man, would you be more like post Van Halen Diamond Dave in crazy spandex tights or more like Rollins in little black shorts? Uh, I don't think. uh, Oh, man. Okay, we're almost in an hour. We are at an hour. Or almost in an hour. And I feel like this question has at least an hour's worth of answers. But I'm going to say, I'm going to say in terms of, of explosive uh, energy, performance, uh, presence, I'm going to see David Lee Roth. In terms of alluring mystery and um, uh, timelessness, I'm going to say Debbie Harry. Uh, and okay. I would probably like, I'm going to not that I'm a huge Rollins fan, uh, but I personally uh, feel more in tune with his uh, rage than David Lee Roth's happy go lucky. Uh, I quit. I, I tried jogging, but it wasn't for me because I kept spilling my drink. And you know, like he's just a total, ha- he's like a sexy ham. He's the he is probably one of the sexiest. I think he is the sexiest front man, uh, front person of any rock and roll band. He was like the embodiment of men wanted to be with him and women wanted to be with men wanted to be him and women wanted to be with him. Kind of he was super sexy, but he's like the kind of guy that you want to go drink beer with, you know. And that's a pretty Mm -hmm. magical combination. I'm really enamored with. Obviously, really enamored with David Lee Roth. But I, is he, it's not my personality. Yep. Was yep. that the right and that answer? That may be part of it. Yeah, I, I oh. buy that. Okay. Um, Radical Rick or MX Mug? BMX Plus. I don't know who either. I don't know who who either of those people are. Oh boy! It was a cartoon strip that was in the back of BMX Plus magazine forever. Radical Rick was the protagonist. MX Mug was a sidekick. And it oh. was the one of the best. It still is one of the best drawn and uh, uh, illustrated and told storylines, I think. And it was fantastic. You weren't a BMX kid or you were and you just didn't see BMX Plus magazine. I just never I was a BMX kid, but I never saw the magazine uh, mm. because my parents weren't like, oh, yeah, you have interests. Let's indulge those. That wasn't. <laughs> Uh, no, so I never saw that. I feel like maybe this is a problem for my relationship with you, but we'll move on. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll learn, I have learn to love each other some other way. My friend Dave had this huge stack of old BMX Plus magazines. And several years ago, I took all of them and I scanned all of the Radical Rick panels. And they are on somewhere. If you go into the All Hail the Black Market Flickr feed, there is... Scans of probably, I'm going to say 25 Radical Rick storylines. Uh, they were great. 
I loved him. Okay, I'm going to say Radical Rick. Uh, everybody loves Radical Rick. MX Mug was just kind of a goofy sidekick. Radical Rick, you never saw his face. He just had these dark goggles on and eyes, and they drove the Attackalac, which was like a cat track Cadillac with a big cannon on it. And they had their foes. <laughs> they had there's this whole gaggle of bad guys. Is a guy named Damian Fulton was the artist. And he's still active, and he's, you know, on Instagram. And um, I, I loved Radical Rick. I still do. Uh, okay. I'll have, I'll, have to, I'll have to check that out. And if, if, I don't know if anyone can hear, but it, it sounds like there are more helicopters over my house. <laughs> and I think maybe this bear, it seems like this bear might be in a white Ford Bronco <laughs> Poor being bear. chased around town. Poor bear. He's probably so yeah. freaked out. Yeah. You need to dress a one one bear is, you know, fucking 15 helicopters. Uh, okay, your turn. Uh, I'm going to ask one more question. Okay. I'm going to ask my best remaining question. You're going to ask your best remaining question. We're going to wrap this thing up. Okay. My best remaining question is we've done 82 episodes now of this podcast. What has surprised you the most from this whole project? Oh, uh, that I, I like it. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not a fan of my output. I can read the things that I write or look at the things that I draw or paint. And it's just kind of like, eh, you know, I'm happy that it doesn't suck. That's generally my response with anything that I do. But to be able to go back and listen to episodes that we've recorded and uh, I'll, you know, I'll pick and I'll be picky about some of the stuff or how I enunciate or that I, that I stutter or I have can't remember words or my the way that I talk is all jumbled and fucked up and I'll be critical of that. But by and large, I think that uh, the thing that I like the most and the thing that I'm surprised the most by is that I don't absolutely fucking cringe when i listen to it so i think that just by itself is is uh evidence that it's not a complete failure how's that that was good i like that what about you it always makes me laugh i look i look forward to doing this uh we have good laughs and uh i find it therapeutic like whatever is happening in my week even when we're scrambling and doing i don't know what the fuck we're doing i always come out of this more cheerful than i went in yeah and the, i also i mean i shouldn't neglect to include the fact that our friendship has grown and established oh, in yeah. ways that i i wouldn't i couldn't have guessed previously um so that's been that's been really nice uh and i guess thirdly you know people's feedback and and the fact that it really resonates with people i think that's i think that's super cool um so i guess that you know like in short those would be my my three things all right do, do you have anything to add or no no i think you're right like our friendship is definitely a surprise I would say the depth of our friendship is a surprise. Like, I think we've been a little bit on a journey together mm -hmm. uh, with, you know, where we are in our lives. And the podcast is sort of like almost secondary to that, but it's it's pretty it just, I didn't see that coming. Uh, and it's been good for me. Um, 
And also that we could do 82 episodes of this is really, uh, I don't know. I may, I guess I thought maybe we would do 10 of these tops. We could have had 82 hours. We could have, how long does it take to drive across the country? I don't know. Uh, probably something like it. Well, it depends on how fast you go, obviously, but I don't know what the cannonball run record is. Oh, there's a really interesting podcast that I listened to about the guy that started the cannonball run and his dad has done it. And now there's people in like super souped up cars. You know, they just uh, like he and his buddies would meet in New York and they drive from some parking garage and drive to Santa Monica, I think. And then now people like have radar and they they have like lead cars and all of this stuff. But the guy, he said when he was a little kid, he was just driving across the country with his dad and they were driving as fast as they could. And that's how the whole thing started. Uh, wait, why do you bring up the cannonball run? Because that oh. would be like the cannonball run record is how long <laughs> it takes to go across the country. Right. <laughs> uh, I was going to say if it takes 48 hours and like we could have driven back and forth across the country. Cause this is kind of road trip conversation. It just meanders and doesn't really touch on anything in particular ever. Um, and there's so a here, lot of music. Yeah. Here is the Would You Rather that I wrote while I was camping a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it's, forgive me, because it's a little fractured. Uh, you were in a plane crash. As, as you're going down, as you're descending into, into the hard, cold earth, a booming yet very calm voice in your head assures you that you're not going to die. Your fellow travelers might not be so lucky, but you are guaranteed to be fine. Suddenly, a pause button is pushed, and you're given the chance to right the plane's plummet and possibly save one to all of the passengers, but the cost is that you'll have to wear ski boots as shoes forever. <laughs> Do you save the flight? Like anytime so, you're going, you're going to ride a bike, you're going to go to the store, whatever, you're putting ski boots on. Anytime you wear regular mm. shoes, they're replaced with ski boots. So just now I was tempted to ask, can you tell me how many people are on the plane? But then I didn't ask that because I was like, that implies that I'm willing to. To let somebody <laughs> die so I don't have to wear ski boots. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> You'll give it away. Uh, yeah. So I, you know, I ski. I, I ski as much as I can. And so I am familiar with walking around in ski boots. And the, actually being a skier during the pandemic was interesting because there was no more carrying your ski boots into the place and then putting them on. Uh, you had to like wear your ski boots from the parking lot because there was no inside space. So I'm very familiar with walking around in ski boots and it it's fucking terrible. <laughs> um, but I guess I have to take. Well, you know, there's another wrinkle here, uh, which is that if you didn't say anything, if you didn't put on the ski boots, uh, you just let the plane crash and you were fine. Nobody would be any the wiser, right? So this is really just you. You know that you would know. You know that 127 people died or one person died because your decision. So you could pull on a pair of Vans old schools. 
Yeah, just so you wear tennis uh, shoes or or bike shoes or or flip flops or sandals or whatever. But it's anytime you're outside of the house, like you know, you can like go out and mow the yard with bare feet or whatever. But anytime that you would otherwise be wearing shoes, you'd be wearing ski boots. Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm 51. I'm probably only going to live two, maybe three more years. So I'll go with <laughs> ski boots for that time. The, that just reminded me, there was a guy in my, I haven't thought about this in 30 years, but there was a guy, he's probably the only homeless person in my hometown back in the day. Probably, fuck, it's probably been over, it's been over 30 years since I thought of this guy, but he used to wear green ski boots around. Like, he just would walk around. He had like, you know, he's kind of dingy, black pants, down black jacket. And he just cruised around with green ski boots. That was his thing. We'd see him like walking on Main Street. Um, maybe just he kalumph, saved kalumph, kalumph. Maybe he saved a plane from crashing. And that was his curse. Things become more, more and more clear all the time. How how weird is that? I didn't even think of that guy when I was coming up with a question. I, it's just only come to me right this second. Huh. Are you wearing ski boots or are you letting the plane crash? Uh, uh, I would I would wear ski boots. I would be so fucking bummed about it, though. I hate there's mm. only the only thing that I. <laughs> No, I don't think there's anything that I hate more than wearing ski boots. I love taking ski boots off. So it'd be sort of an orgasmic experience at the end of every day that you, you release your feet from these horrible confines. And I haven't also, to be totally transparent, I haven't worn ski boots in a long time. But I remember not liking it when I did, you know. I, I think they've gotten better, but yeah, still... Still not awesome. That's rough. Um, oh, shit. I preemptively cleared the note. I closed the note, so I can't do the outro. Uh, wait a second. Yes, I can. Thanks for listening to Revolting. If you loved us, you'd subscribe. If we loved you, we'd do a better job. And on that note, on behalf of Revolting and the Cycling Independent, I'm Steve Don't forget to ski boots.